Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh king of Egypt. Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him. He will repay him to his face. We live in a time when things are changing almost on a daily basis. You just have to look around you. You know, I was thinking about that and I thought about all the changes in technology that we've seen. In my lifetime, we've gone from a rotary telephone, right? And then we went to push button and now we have cell phones and we can make a phone call from anywhere. And just in my few short years, we've seen that technology change. Now, I'm really going to get old here. We've advanced from record players. Y'all remember those? A lot of young people don't know what those are today. <laughs> now, from record players, I actually had a four-track tape player, and then they came out with eight-track. And then from eight-track, we went to cassette, and then we went to CDs, and then to digital. And just like this song a moment ago, Brother Zach just pulls it up on his phone, and he patches it in and able to play that. We've increased from a few thousand folks on the internet to millions and even billions upon the internet and traffic is just growing on a daily basis. We have seen changes socially. You know, I grew up in a time when a man's word was his bond. A handshake meant something. In fact, I can remember wanting to buy a car and it helped that my mom worked at the bank, but I called the loan officer, I said, I want to buy a car, and here's how much it is. He said, good, when you get it, bring it by and let me look at it. And he knew I was going to make the payments. He knew I was going to pay for that car because I had signed those papers or I told him I was going to pay for it. We live in a day when marital problems are no longer the exception, they're the rule. Even among saved people, among God's people, the divorce rate is at 50%. We have young people today who interact more with video games than they do with their own parents. Amen. We live in a changing society. We have seen changes politically, haven't we? This is not a political message. But nationalism is declining, folks. Now listen, I'm an American, okay? I still get a tear in my eye and a lump in my throat when I look at old glory being raised and hear the national anthem. And I'm not going to kneel. I'm going to stand when the national anthem is played and when old glory is raised. Amen. I love this country. I've been able to travel other places in the world. I've gone halfway around the world and back. And I hadn't found any place I'd rather live Amen. than right here in the United States of America. So I'm, I'm very much a nationalist, I guess. But nationalism is declining. Globalism is growing. And sadly, if we're not there already, folks, in the U.S., we're on the fast track to socialism. And we have seen, and I talked a little bit about this a moment ago, changes religiously. Churches are moving from preach the word to, well, let's see what makes you feel good today. 
And they want preachers that will do that. They don't want preachers who will stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God's Word says and we better do it. They want preachers that will stand up and just rub their consciences a little bit and say, well, you have a preacher friend who used to call it a warm fuzzy. A lot of people come to church to get a warm fuzzy so they can go away feeling real good about themselves instead of listening to the Word of God. And churches are teaching less and less doctrine. I think it's important to stay true to the teachings of the Word of God. And many today are claiming that we are living in a post-Christian America. And I'm afraid we are. And that's sad. But isn't it wonderful to know that when we live in a time when more changes seem to take place in one year than have taken place in our lifetime, we have a God who does not change. We have a God who is faithful and who is true. And that's what we're going to talk about today is God's faithfulness. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. God said through Malachi, I am the Lord God, I change not. That means we can depend upon him. We can depend upon his word. Human nature can't be relied upon. You know what I found out over the years? It's not going to be very eloquent, but I'm going to say it. People will lie to you. People will lie to your face. And sometimes even church members will do that. But we serve a God who is faithful and a God who is true and we can depend upon him and his very word upholds this world. You realize what would happen to this whole solar system if God just removed his control over it? It'd be total chaos. God's word declares over and over again the faithfulness of our heavenly father. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9, he says, God is faithful. I like that. By whom you were called under the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. God can be depended upon. God is faithful. Isaiah 25 verse 1. O Lord thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. Psalm 36 verse 5. Thy mercy O Lord is in the heavens and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Folks, that's our God. That's the God that we serve. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God that we worship today. His very name speaks faithfulness. Do you realize that? Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. Oh, there's so many other verses I could just spend this whole time of the message this morning just reading verses from the Bible that talk about the faithfulness of God. Psalm 40, verse 10, the psalmist has declared his faithfulness, says God has declared his faithfulness and God has not concealed his truth. We have God's truth right here. It is the divinely inspired and inerrant word of God. Psalm 89, the first and second verses, verse 5, verse 8, who is like the Lord, the scripture says, or to his faithfulness. You get the idea, I believe, in the faithfulness of God. Psalm 119 verse 90 declares that God is faithful unto all generations. How long will God's faithfulness last? You know, sometimes in life we get people that are friends or they're going to be faithful to us and they reach a point where they just, that faithfulness disappears. Well, God won't do that. He's faithful to all generations. And verse 9 of our text says, He is the faithful God. Now that word faithful, in the Hebrew, it means to support, to bear, to be firm. 
Right here it means to be trusty or trustworthy. The Greek word means to be trusty or trustworthy, worthy of confidence of persons. It talks about one on whom we may rely. It talks about being dependable. See, the character of our God is such that you can completely depend upon God. I had no reservations years ago when I said, Lord, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve you because you know what? I know God will take care of me. You know, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I may refer to this verse again in a moment, but Matthew 6, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And we know that talks about our needs and so forth. I hadn't always been faithful to God. But I have never lacked a need. God is faithful. He is the faithful God. Well, first of all, he's faithful in his personality. If you look at verse 9, the first part of that verse, know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. In his character, in what I'm calling today his personality, God is faithful. In fact, if you go to Isaiah 65, 16, he is called the God of truth. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, A God of truth and without iniquity. Psalm 31, 5 says, Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. In fact, what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 tells us, that God is so truthful that it is impossible for God to lie. People say, well, God can do everything. I say, no, there's one thing God can't do. God cannot lie. God will not lie. God never lies. God is truthful. He is faithful. And God's word is filled with so many promises to mankind. You know, some of those promises are conditional and some are what we call unconditional. And the faithfulness and the truthfulness of God is vital to every one of the promises that God makes. When God makes a promise, you can depend upon God's promises. Now, in the conditional promises, God says, well, if you will, I will. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I'll take care of all your needs. Now, please note, he didn't say wants. He says needs. Seek him first. If you will, I will. The unconditional promises, God just says it's going to come to pass. Regardless, I'm going to do this. We know that's an unconditional promise. Jesus is coming back. That is not based on whether we're faithful to God or not. Whether we're faithful, whether the world is faithful to God or not, Jesus is coming back. We know that, and that is a promise from God. Let me give you an illustration of how important all of this is. If you're driving a car and you see a sign that says dangerous curve ahead, you know you got at least three choices. You can believe the sign and you can slow down. You can ignore the sign and you can maintain your speed. What's going to happen? Might go off the road. Or you can defy the sign and accelerate when it means you probably will go off the road. Well, what does all of that mean, preacher? What is the point of all of that? Your reaction to that sign will not change that sign. If you say, I don't believe there's a dangerous curve ahead, that's not going to straighten the road out. There's still going to be a dangerous curve. And people will say, well, you know, I don't believe the Bible. Well, I'm sorry you don't, but it's not going to change the Word of God whether you believe it or not. You know, years ago, people used to say, well, God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. Look, God said it. That settles it. You know, it's important for you to believe it, but it's not going to make a big difference. It's not going to change anything if you and I don't believe it. 
our reaction to the Word of God will not change the truthfulness of God's Word. If He said it, He's going to do it. And God's faithfulness, again, and His truthfulness are vital to His promises. I mentioned Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 a moment ago. It says, He is the rock. His work is perfect for all His ways are judgment. A God of truth without iniquity, just and right is He. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. God is faithful. God is truthful. Paul said in the book of Romans, he said, let God be true and every man a liar. And folks, that's it. God's true. And if we violate the word of God, we go against God, we're not keeping the truth. God keeps his word. God is faithful. But God is also immutable. God is unchangeable. Go back again to Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. I am the Lord God. I change not. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. James chapter 1 verse 17 talks about God says, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Variableness, and we'll understand this word, variableness talks about waffling. You remember a few years ago on the political scene and they accused one president of waffling on, on different issues. Did you, ever, did you ever look at a waffle? Closely? So, no, I'll just eat them. Well, I'd look at them sometime. You know, a waffle is sort of like that. And there are some people who are like that. They waffle all the time. You ever heard of somebody riding the fence? I'm sitting on the fence. I'm going to see which way this falls. And then whatever way it falls, I'm going to pick which side I want to be on. Well, they're waffling. They will not take a stand. But James says there is no waffling with God. There's no variableness or shadow of turning with God. God is not like we are sometimes about his service. What do you mean by that? God's not a yo-yo. You know, sometimes God's people are just like a yo-yo. They're up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, God's not that way. God is true. God is faithful. God is dependable. He is unchangeable. Now, we know according to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that the way God deals with men may change, right? I mean, the scripture just says in, in Hebrews chapter 1, he dealt with the fathers through the prophets, and now he's spoken to us directly through his son. So God may change the way he deals with men, but God will not change. His holiness has not changed, folks. God is just as holy today as he ever was. Amen. His hatred of sin has not changed. Amen. God hates sin. I wish I could say that so the whole world could hear it. Oh, I guess I am being on Facebook and live streaming. The whole world needs to hear this. God hates sin. But his love for sinners has not changed either. And even though God hates sin, God loves sinners. That's why God told us who are saved to go to them. Not put up a church building and put up a sign and say, y'all come. That's sort of a southern thing, right? Y'all come and expect people to show who are lost to show up, people who don't have time for God to show up. No, God said you go to them. Amen. In your daily walk, as you go about your daily business, just go to people and tell them about the love of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ because his manner of salvation has not changed. You can go from Genesis all the way to Revelation and there's one way to be saved and that is repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, they look forward to the cross. We look back to the cross, but Jesus was on that cross and Jesus is the one who died for us and he said again, he is the way. 
And he said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You'll come, to you'll come to God through Jesus or you won't come to God at all. So again, it's comforting. It's wonderful to know that in a world that is constantly changing, we have a God who does not change and we can latch on to him and we can serve him and we can love him. But God is also faithful in his provision. He's faithful in his personality or his character. He's faithful in his provision. It is and always has been the desire of God to meet the needs of his people. Needs, okay? A lot of times we get those confused with wants. But God provides for our spiritual needs. What is mankind's greatest need spiritually? Well, we know what it is. It's salvation. Man without God is going to die and spend an eternity in hell. That's what's going to happen. And so mankind's greatest need is to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior because God provided to meet that need of mankind, that spiritual need, greatest spiritual need of mankind on the cross at Calvary. And that's where Jesus died as the sacrifice for our sin. I love John chapter 19 where Jesus said, Tetelestai, paid in full. Okay, well, he said it is finished. I know that's what John says. But what it means is paid in full. The price has been, nothing has to be added. And once the price is paid, the price is paid. God's not going to say, well, you didn't live for me, so I'm going to change the price a little bit, and now you've got to add something to it. No, the price has been paid. Our salvation is secure, and God convicts mankind of his need. Mankind's greatest need is salvation. God convicts man of that need through his Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 44, No man cometh unto me except what? Except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Some lost man who's never heard the word of God not going to be just walking along one day and a coconut fall out of a tree and hit him in the head and he says, oh, I need to be saved. What's God going to use to convict the hearts of those lost people? The testimony and the lives of God's people and the word of God. That's what he's going to use. As children of God, our spiritual needs are met through God's word by his Holy Spirit and in New Testament churches. I believe that, folks. Our spiritual growth comes by the Word of God. You can't just be hit and miss on the Word of God and expect to grow as a child of God. People get saved and they want to skip church every two or three services and, and uh, not come back to church and all of a sudden they're wondering why they're not growing as a child of God. Well, I'll tell you why. You're not in the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. We need to be in the Word. That's why I put so much emphasis on the Word, folks. This is why I tell you over and over again, and we'll get to this at some point, maybe even tonight in the authority lesson, but this is why I tell you over and over again, you need to know the Word. Don't say, well, because Brother Jim said it, it's so. Amen. Be able to say, because the Word of God says it in chapter and verse. That's why I believe it. Not because the preacher said it. You know what? Preachers can be wrong sometimes. You know, remember where I had Jonah going? I can't even remember where I had him going instead of Nineveh. I don't know where I sent him somewhere, but I've forgotten what it was. And, and uh, then Brother Zach has caught me in some of my slips of the tongue in times past. And he, he, I think he enjoys coming down here and say, hey, you said this and you really should have said that. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. I'm going to miss him. But you know, there were some that didn't grow. And the Apostle Paul said to that church at Corinth, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto were you not able to bear it, neither now are you able. 
See, some people, all they can stand because they have not grown. You know, a baby, you can't give a baby a T-bone steak. You can give me one. I got to tell this, we were eating out Friday night, and Brother Mike and Sister Candy were there with one of their friends, and they got up to leave, and he walked over, and he said, you know, at my church, the minister, he sees church members eating out. He said, he buys their, their meal. And I looked him square in the face. I said, I'm not that nice. <laughs> I said, I expect them to buy mine. But you can't feed a baby a T-bone steak. You can feed him milk. Now that baby grows and develops, you can start feeding him some solid food. And the only way to want to get into the meat of the Word is to get into the milk of the Word and learn to grow as a child of God. But God also helps us grow through His Spirit. His Spirit comforts us. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I love that. I will come to you. You know where I turn? Two places I turn when I need comfort. I turn to God, obviously, and I turn to my wife. He gave her to me too. And you know, when things are not going right, I just want her around. Well, when things aren't going, or are and aren't going right, both times I went around, but I, I just, you know, God gives us that comfort. And then he uses the sense of the Holy Spirit to teach us. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Preacher, how are you able to remember these verses of Scripture? Well, I don't sit around during the week. I'm going to memorize this, memorize that. I'm going to use this in the sermon. I have read the Word of God. I've studied the Word of God. And I get to preaching sometimes. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit just speaks to my heart and gives me that verse of Scripture. And it just comes out. And I amaze myself sometimes. Well, let me rephrase that. God amazes me sometimes, okay, by doing that. John chapter 16, verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How do you know the truth? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know what? How do you learn the Word of God? Well, here a little, there a little. You learn it by studying it, but you also learn it as the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart. And helps you understand it. And he helps us to worship or to glorify God. Jesus said to the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. Anytime we have a worship service, folks, we better listen to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way to properly worship God. And bring up and lift up Jesus. And in fact, he helps this church. Because what is our purpose as a church? Ephesians 3.21, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. God provides for our spiritual growth. But you know what? He'll provide for our physical needs also. One of my many, many favorite verses of Scripture, Psalm 37, verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Amen. You know, when a child of God is faithful to God and God's meeting his needs, he doesn't have to go out and beg for food or anything like that. God will just take care of it. And David could write that in the Psalms. He said, I, you know, I've grown up, I've watched, I've been observing all my life, and I've never seen a child of God out there begging bread. God will take care of our physical needs. Just turn with me for a moment over to Matthew. These are very 
familiar verses of Scripture. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. Again, we're familiar with these, but we're going to share them for just a moment this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Now I like that verse because if, if worry could make you taller, I'd be 10 feet tall today. That's what taking thought is. It's, it's anxiety. It's worrying. Can you make yourself taller by worrying? No, you may make yourself six feet under by worrying, but you're not going to make yourself taller. So he says, which can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take ye thought for raiment, clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And then he said, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles, and he's talking about pagans right there. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. I like that because it says, Before you can even think I'm hungry, God knows you need food. Before you can think I'm thirsty, God knows you need something to drink. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And God has even so formed this earth, this planet that we live on, that it can produce the necessities of life. Now, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but there's a, we call it a chimney corner scripture sometimes. That this far along in the, this thing called time, people will quote, you know, if the weather's warm in November or December, well, you know, the Bible says that you get toward the end times that you won't be able to tell one season from another or whatever you know, they say. Listen to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. God says the seasons aren't going to get all mixed up. Why? Because his word upholds everything, okay? And he provides for our emotional needs. You know, love is actually more than an emotion. People say, well, love is an emotion. No, love, especially this agape type of love, is an action of my will under the influence of God. God is the only true source of love. God is the only true source of self-sacrificing love. In Jeremiah 31.3, he said to Israel, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You like that? Therefore, with a loving... By the way, I added that you like that part. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God's love. That's the only way we're able to love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, 1 John 4 says. For God is love. Lamentations 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Thank God for his love. And thank God for enabling me and you to love. Can you imagine what kind of world it would be? All you have to do is just look at the news sometimes. You see, I think, what kind of world it would be without the love of God in it. Amen. But can you imagine what it would be if you and I didn't love God? And didn't have the love of God in us. We look for men to encourage us sometimes. And we get discouraged. Why? Because men fail at faithfulness. And they don't keep the word. But you know what? If you look at the cross. You'll see Christ's compassion. That does not fail. In Lamentations chapter 3. His love endures. And his spirit comforts. Heard a story about a little girl. Her mother had just died. And she was so scared at night. 
This particular night, she got out of her bed and went in and crawled into bed with her daddy. And in the dark, she grabbed his face and she asked him a question. She said, Daddy, is your face toward me? And he said, well, yes, my dear, my face is toward you. And she said, okay, I can sleep now. That's a beautiful story. But you know what it tells us? God's face is always toward us. And because God's face is always toward us, we can rest. That doesn't mean do nothing, but we can have peace in our lives. And then finally, right quickly, God is faithful in his promises in verses 9 and 10. And we read those verses that he's the, the faithful God and he's going to bless those who bless him and he's going to curse those who curse him. All right. He's faithful in his promise to save. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. John 6, verse 37. Jesus said to him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. This man, talking about Jesus, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. How far along is God able to save me to the uttermost point? I like what Vance Havner said one time. He was writing a devotional on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And by the way, that verse says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So he's saying, what he said is, you know, God's able to keep what, I've, what have I committed to him. I've committed to him my life, my spirit, my soul, you know. And God's able to keep it to that day. And Vance Heavenly said, if he's able to keep it to that day, he's able to keep it for the rest of eternity also. Amen. So it's not only a promise to save us, it's a promise to keep us. Jesus said in John chapter 6, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Do you realize, you know, there are groups, I'm not going to call them churches, there are groups that teach you can lose your salvation. But do you realize that if you can lose your salvation, Jesus didn't do the will of God, and if Jesus didn't do the will of God, he wasn't the son of God, and if he wasn't the son of God, he wasn't a perfect sacrifice for sin? And those people that say you can lose your salvation don't know what they're talking about, or they are denying the deity of the Lord Jesus. I don't know which they're doing. But if you can lose your salvation, what did Jesus say? He said, I came down to do my Father's will, and here it is that of everything, of all he's given me, I shouldn't lose anything. And if Jesus can lose one person, he didn't do the Father's will. The saved never need to worry about losing their salvation. 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul said, Who hath saved us, talking about Jesus, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. He'll keep us to that day. And he'll keep us every day after that day. All the way through eternity. And then there's this wonderful, wonderful promise in 1 John 1, 9, the promise to forgive. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, you and I may forgive somebody for something they've done. We may just tell them we've forgiven them. We may not actually forgive them, but since sometimes we can just, we do forgive them. But how often do we forget what they've done? It's hard to forget what somebody did to you, didn't you? I had somebody many years ago, 
I felt like they just stabbed me in the back. I hadn't forgotten it. I'd like to forget it, but I can't forget it. If there's something, you know, in this brain that won't forget it. I hope I've forgiven them. I shared the other night some things that went on at churches that I pastored. And I said, you know, I forgave them. Hard to forget. So we may forgive, but we don't forget. But in Psalm 103, verse 12, we see how God forgives as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. When God forgives, it's not going to be brought up again. In fact, I love Hezekiah's prayer in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 38, verse 17. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. You know, and that's why I want all my sins behind God's back. We carry other people's sins out here a lot of times, but God puts them back here. He forgives with a holy and complete forgiveness. Oh, there's so many things we could say about the faithfulness of God. He's faithful. He's dependable. He's trustworthy in his personality or his nature, in his provision, in his promises. And his heart's desire today is this. If someone does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that they would be saved today. And God is faithful to keep that promise if you'll repent toward God and put your faith in Christ. You'll be saved. What does he have a desire for me and you who are saved it's very simple. Paul stated it in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required, I wrote about this in the bulletin, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God's faithful. And you know, a child should carry the characteristics of his father. I get told a lot of times that I look and act just like my daddy. I take that as a compliment. Okay? But an even greater compliment would be you look and act just like your heavenly father. Amen. That's what I want. To be like him. And part of that is being faithful. We will never be as faithful as God is. But we can always be more faithful than we are right now. You know, faithfulness doesn't have degrees. Either you're faithful or you're not. We need to be faithful in our living. In our living. We need to be faithful in our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we certainly need to be faithful in our love for God, in our love for His Word, and in our love for the truth. 